Now's your chance to get caught up on all that's happening in technology around Akron and the rest of the world. It's This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your Northern Ohio Honda dealers. Enjoy great deals on an award-winning Honda at your local area Honda dealer. Or visit us online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Now, here's Gene Destro. This week, we're talking about food and the technology that takes it from the farm to your table. We'll also talk about how technology can tell us the best time to drink coffee and high-tech umpires in professional baseball. All this and more coming up. When you think about farms, you probably don't think about technology, but you really should because getting food from the field to your table is quite a complicated process and lots of extremely advanced technology makes that possible. Ty Higgins from the Ohio Farm Bureau explains. We're seeing tractors that drive themselves and and then we get into technology with soil and crop sensors that have variable rate technology to where a planter can plant a certain amount of seeds in one part of the farm that might be highly productive. They might plant a higher population of seeds. And on that same field, maybe across the way, 100 yards or two, that soil might not be as good. And so they won't plant as many seeds. We get into the the drone aspect. Uh, It's hard for a farmer that's uh, five feet, eight or six foot tall to look over the cornfield and really see how things are developing in the middle. But these drones now have the capability of a farmer to be able to get a bird's eye view of what's happening on the farm are using satellite imagery to see how crops are developing and and where rain has fallen on their farms. We also talked to Professor Matthew Kleinhens with the Agriculture Research and Development Center at Ohio State University's Worcester campus and asked him what new technology is being used on farms today that maybe didn't even exist in the not-too-distant past. We have far better irrigation scheduling technology now than we did before. We can monitor weather conditions, soil conditions, crop conditions, and apply the water as it is needed, only when it is needed, and how it is needed. Same is true for crop protection. We need to protect the crops from a myriad of issues and problems that may arise during during its growth. The technology associated with that entire process is far far improved. You know, robotic weeders that replace herbicides or supplement herbicides, for example, is one standout. We have technologies that are helping us with harvesting crops, not necessarily to outright replace people, but to supplement the work that is normally done by people in the field harvesting crops so that we can enjoy them thereafter. So seeding and transplanting machinery and technology that provide the grower with a far better outcome than what may have been possible X number of years ago. Technology that's preparing our soils in a more environmentally sensitive, so-called biorational way. The list goes on and on and on. This summer has been unusually wet here, and in other parts of the country it's been unusually dry. So even though farmers and food producers are using modern technology, they're still really dependent on the weather in terms of when they can plant or whether they can plant. What can they use that's new that could help maybe insulate them from some of the changes in the weather that's been going on? It's a fantastic question. You are absolutely correct, uh, though, to begin. It is still a profession, an occupation, and a process, and a societal good that is highly influenced by the weather. And weather, so far, is one aspect of our daily lives that we really can't control. 
So what, what can a person do knowing that? They can begin to avail themselves to all of the resources that are available that help them predict, monitor, and respond to changes in weather more effectively than in the past, more reliably, more efficiently, and of course, whenever possible, farther in advance. If we knew now in July of 2019 that July of 2020 is going to be characterized by a certain set of weather conditions, we would begin the the process of adjustment. Too often it's the case that we only know the weather as it unfolds, but the more sophisticated the forecasts become, the more reliable the projections are, the more prepared the agricultural community is to adjust to them. So the number one rule will be for agriculturalists, and they are doing this by and large, is to stay very close to the technology and its development, contribute to its development, provide a voice in its development, to stay close to it so that it is user-friendly, focused on their questions and their issues and concerns, and that much better than the previous generation's technology. And while Professor Kleinhans is focused on big farms that produce food on a mass scale, we also talked to Professor Philip Schmidt from MIT about producing food on a very small scale with what's called a food computer, like the one that was on display at the Akron Public Library this past year. A food computer is a little box. It's about 10 inches by 10 inches by 10 inches that provides a climate-controlled environment to grow plants. You can place, for example, a little tomato in there, and then you can control what nutrients are being fed to it through the roots. So there's no soil in there. The nutrients are dissolved in water that the roots swim in. And then you can control the amount of light and the bandwidth of the light. You can control the temperature. And there's a little computer actually that runs the food computer, which does all this work. You can download what's called a growing recipe into this computer from the internet from someone else who's maybe grown a tomato and then the food computer will execute this recipe to grow a tomato in exactly the same way. And do you consider this to be the future of agriculture or something that could lead to a better future of agriculture? I think both. What we are interested in is using public libraries as spaces where communities of citizens from all walks of life come together and learn about new technologies and technologies that actually are very relevant to their lives, but maybe they're not thinking about or they're not they don't really know where our food comes from so we want to use this on one hand as an educational tool for people to just understand more about the food that they're eating and how that food is being produced and then we also think that there's a tremendous value in having more people involved in how we grow our food and sharing expertise and knowledge with each other and then collecting all of that data under an open license so anyone can access it and essentially creating a huge community of thousands and thousands of what we call nerd farmers who would all be experimenting with the best way to grow food, and then that could certainly lead to a better food production system in the future. And now, from food to drink, one of my favorite beverages, and probably yours too, especially when you need to wake up early or stay up late, coffee. But as you may have noticed, Sometimes when you really need it to, your caffeine buzz doesn't always keep you awake. So some scientists made it their mission to find out why. Jim Chenevy reports. Everyone knows caffeine can help wake you up, 
But did you know the timing of your coffee consumption has a lot to do with just how much it boosts your alertness? U.S. Army researchers have created a computer algorithm designed to pinpoint the time when caffeine consumption is most effective. That's important for soldiers in the field who often have to deal with sleep deprivation. This computer program, dubbed 2B Alert, creates an individual readout based on the person's recent sleep pattern. In tests on volunteers asked to perform PVT or psychomotor vigilant tasks, 2B Alert was able to boost alertness by an average of 40% and virtually eliminated the chance for consuming too much caffeine. Its developers believe it can be even more effective, boosting alertness by up to 64% without any additional coffee consumption. And that's for your information. I'm Jim Shenovey, CBS News. Also today, a story about how new technology is being used in professional baseball. Not in the MLB quite yet, but it is getting a tryout in the Independent Atlantic League. Bud Mishkin has the story. All looked relatively normal at the All-Star Game for the Independent Atlantic League. Pitcher, catcher, batter, umpire. But the umpire had an earpiece connected to an iPhone in his pocket. Calling balls and strikes? A TrackMan computer system using Doppler radar. And so the Atlantic became the first American professional baseball league to let a computer call balls and strikes. The plan is to implement the system league-wide over the next few weeks. Not to worry, the umpires will still be behind home plate just in case the technology doesn't behave. Bud Mishkin, CBS News. And that's it for now. See you next week. That was This Week in Tech with Gene Destro. Driven by your northern Ohio Honda dealers. Enjoy great deals on an award-winning Honda at your local area Honda dealer. Or visit us online at northernohiohondadealers.com. Tune in next week for more tech news and listen online at wakr.net.